Father God, I praise you for your goodness, even in the moments like we are experiencing now. Now, as we're going on week two of not being able to gather together in person, we are continuing to gather in spirit. We're continuing to trust in your promises and trust in the goodness that you have shown us through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this morning as we have joined together for our country, for our leaders, for the scientists that are working to find a cure for this virus, and for all the families who are affected. We pray for the ones who have lost loved ones, the ones who have uh, experienced sickness and have loved ones who are experiencing sickness. We pray for the loved ones who are going out every day, continuing to work. Be with them, protect them. And God, may your peace wash over each one of us. As we are living in this time of unknown, may your peace as your people and the confidence of your people wash over each one of us. And may we be the light of Christ in the middle of the darkness. May we be the hope that points somebody to Jesus. Be with us as we open your word this morning. Open our hearts to hear you. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. It's our fifth Sunday in Lent and also our second Sunday that we haven't been able to gather together for worship, but I want each of you to know that I have spent hours praying over you and thinking about you and doing the best that I can to call or to connect with you in some way to see how you are doing. I've been blessed to be able to connect with a few of you and be able to help out in such as ways getting groceries or or building ramps or things like that and I thank you for that opportunity Uh, and so I want to also extend that if I have not reached out to you yet and have not gotten to you yet and you need something please let me know Uh, we have a list of volunteers at the church that are on standby ready to do whatever they can do to help out if you have your Bible with you this morning, we're going to continue on in our Lenten study of Listen to Him, 40 Steps on the Road to Resurrection. We're following through with uh, J.D. Walt. And today we're going to look at a passage out of Luke chapter 18. So if you have your Bibles with me, go ahead and turn there. We're going to start reading in verse 18. We're going to read through verse 30. A rich young ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except for God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness, but honor your father and your mother. The rich young ruler replied, I have kept all of these from my youth. And when Jesus heard them, he told him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor so that you will have a treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. After he heard this, the rich young ruler became extremely sad because he was very rich. Seeing that he had become sad, Jesus said, How hard is it for those who have wealth to enter in the kingdom of God? I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Then who can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Then Peter said, Look, we have left all that we had and have followed you. And so Jesus replied to them, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left a house, a wife, or brothers, or sisters, parents, or children because of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more all of this in eternal life in the age to come. 
Here in this passage, uh, Jesus takes this rich young ruler's confession and his claim, and he uses it to address something extremely important uh, in regards to our understanding of discipleship. Jesus takes this young man's statement, and he gains this attention of this young ruler by saying, Why do you call me good? Don't you know that no one is good but the Father in heaven? And he captivates our attention in the same way, but he helps us understand exactly what repentance and following Christ means. I think so often we have this preconceived understanding and idea of what it means to be a disciple largely based on the context in which we grew up. And we're really not able to look far beyond our immediate influence but yet Jesus takes this statement and he helps us to see what true repentance looks like and what it means to be a disciple of Christ. So in verse 18, the young ruler acknowledges Jesus as a good teacher, but one of the things that Jesus points out is that the rich young ruler did not consider the divinity of Christ and the fact that Jesus was one with God. Um, and it's really neat that J.D. Walt pointed out, in our way, however, we're actually the opposite. We usually have no problem acknowledging that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Messiah. But yet, in Western culture, we really fail at acknowledging Jesus as the good teacher that he is, um, at least in regards to ourselves. I think each one of us do a pretty good job at holding other people accountable to the teachings of Jesus, and we hold other people accountable to living according to what we like to say, the Word of God, but yet often in our own lives, we ignore His words. Now, I know that um, you're sitting there thinking, we don't ignore His words. We live as Christians. We live as disciples, but understand this rich young ruler here, when Jesus listed off these commandments, he acknowledged the fact that he had, he had kept all of those from his youth, but yet Jesus says he still lacks one thing that is super, super important. And as we dig into this passage a little bit deeper, you're going to see what Jesus means when he talks about being a disciple. Um, this message is a costly message, not only just for this young ruler, but the whole teaching and the whole life that Jesus Christ offers to us. Um, but in reality, it hardly ever costs us anything. If we want to get down to it of the lifestyle that we live and, and the way that we conduct ourselves, it really doesn't cost us, not at least in the way that Jesus talks about, but in this way, in the same way, our daily lives usually never align. Uh, with the fact that Jesus is Lord of our lives. You see, like the, the rich young ruler, uh, we do well at keeping those commandments, as I said, uh, but Jesus points out in verse 22 that our heart sometimes does like this young ruler does. Our heart sinks when we think about the idea uh, of Jesus telling us to get rid of our things, the stuff that we have amassed. And when we read this passage of Scripture, a lot of times, like we read a lot of Jesus' talking about being a disciple, we, we interpret these as hyperbole, as Jesus is exaggerating what he is saying uh, for the sake of making a point, or that what Jesus is teaching was meant specifically for one person in the instance that they were talking about. 
No doubt Jesus definitely has a tough message for this young man to hear. Luke records that he even became extremely sad uh, because he was very rich. He wasn't just rich, he was very rich. But why do you think Jesus would say that in order to inherit the kingdom of God, we must sell or rid ourselves of possessions and give them to those in need? In verse 24, Jesus sees this reaction of the young man, the way that his heart sank with the words that he told him, and he illustrates for us why ridding ourselves of our possessions is so important. Just as a camel is too big to go through the eye of a needle, which very extreme comparison there, but what the point is, is that Jesus is making is that when we attach ourselves to things and we create baggage for ourselves in the stuff and in the institutions and systems, we become uh, encumbered with ourselves. And we know that the very definition and the very center of sin is selfishness, is placing oneself before Christ or even before a neighbor. And so we get to this place where we have become so self-appreciated or established in our own beings that we cannot see the life or the, the call that Jesus has laid out for us. And what Jesus is saying here to this rich young ruler, our relationship to God and our faith and trust in God is proven by our relationship to our neighbor. And we say that we give all for Christ. We say that we give all for God and he is the Lord of our life and he is in control of everything. But in reality, would we be willing to give everything for our neighbor? And that's the connection that Jesus is making, uh, is that his possessions, this rich young ruler's possessions, are actually where his discipleship lies. And I think that is something that we need to think about in all reality. We say we're disciples of Christ. We say that we are Christians, that we live uh, according to the standard and the lordship of Christ. But where does our lifestyle say that our discipleship lies? Where's our treasure at? So while in his word, this rich young ruler confessed and acknowledged that Christ was the good teacher, his actions and his lifestyle showed that he himself was his number one priority and that he was a disciple of himself. He was disciplining himself according to what he wants. So Jesus is pointing out to everybody that reads this passage of Scripture, we haven't yet died to ourselves and we have not taken up this cross that Jesus has said we are to do if we're to be a disciple if we can't first willingly part with our earthly things. And yes, we can look at that in an extreme way and we can think about it as though Jesus is, is doing this hyperbolic, I don't even know if that's a word, um, statement here in order to get us thinking, uh, but the reality of it is, is that Jesus laid down his life for us, and he calls us to do the same. No greater love has this than one would lay down his life for his brother. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we are called to lay down our lives for someone else, not just figuratively, but physically, if necessary, if literally. And so Jesus is saying is that if we can't even part with the things that we have, who are we to think that we would be willing to give up our life? And so in this moment, uh, once this crowd had heard that Jesus is saying that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a person of, of wealth and riches to enter in the kingdom of God, uh, somebody speaks up and they say, then who can be saved? 
And I think that's exactly what Jesus was wanting to hear. Who can be saved? Uh, and Jesus' reply is something that this rich young ruler definitely needed to hear. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you. As I was reading through this passage of Scripture, it was something that I needed to hear. And, and so we need to listen carefully to these words that Jesus says. He said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And what Jesus was going to point out here is that we're all looking for a savior. We are all looking for security. We are all looking for something that we can place our trust in. And this rich young ruler had done that in his wealth, had done that in his stature, in his lifestyle, in the way that he was regarded in society. And so I think Jesus begs us to think about ourselves. What is true faith? The rich young ruler, he was, he was living the dream. And you and I, we spend so much of our time and energy chasing this dream. You know, we can call it the American dream. We can call it keeping up with the Joneses, looking like society, living uh, according to the standard of what is around us. But Jesus is asking us to think about where our priorities lie and where our true love and discipline lies. You see, this rich young ruler acknowledged Jesus. He missed however, what the life of discipleship looked like according to the teachings of Jesus. He knew the teachings. He knew the law. He heard the things that Jesus, the one who he acknowledges as the good teacher, has said, but yet his life did not show the evidence of those teachings taking root. And Jesus points out that Believers are citizens of, of a different kingdom. We're not of the world, and, and that comes complete with a new set of principles and priorities. We have to admit here that Jesus' words are, are confrontational. Uh, they were confrontational for the rich young ruler, and they're confrontational for you and I here in Western culture, uh, middle America. They're confrontational to think that we live in the top 2% of the world as far as poverty goes. And the fact that even our lowest income is considered rich by world standards. But Jesus calls us to be a disciple of a life that's not about this earth, that's not about the things of this earth, but yet all that we are to do is for the sake of God's kingdom, the one that Jesus is establishing here now, and the one that is to come. What Jesus is saying is that in order to see that vision and to live through the kingdom view that he is trying to teach, it first requires that we let go of everything in this life and that we understand that all the things in this life are temporary and, and they're not going to last forever. Discipleship is following the teachings of Jesus. They're not just hearing the teachings of Jesus. They're not just knowing the teachings of Jesus or memorizing the teachings of Jesus, but discipleship and repentance is living according to those teachings. It's not about a daily quiet time ritual that you have. It's not about establishing yourself and memorizing scripture. If you don't do anything with what you are learning and what you are memorizing, you're not allowing it to make you into the new person that Jesus says we must become. Remember, repentance is believing something to the point that it becomes who we are. 
And we can't claim to be people of repentance if we see discipleship as only reading and knowing the teachings if we never apply them to our lives. And that's what Jesus was telling this rich young ruler here. He kept all these commandments, but yet he never applied them to his life. Knowledge is not what repentance is, but changing. So Jesus challenges the idolatry not only that this rich young ruler has set up in his own life, but perhaps the idolatry that you and I may have established in our own life. And in this passage, he puts him to the test of just how much he loves and trusts him. And so this young ruler acknowledges God, acknowledges Jesus as his teacher, but Jesus asks him just how much does he trust him? Does he trust the words that he is teaching? And this rich young ruler left Jesus sad because of what Jesus had just revealed to him, the heart within him that Jesus had just shown him. Uh, he had just shown him that his faith was really only as deep as it was going to cost him. And he would rather walk away from Jesus than he would his wealth. This passage requires each one of us to look and think about our faith. Are we willing to trust Jesus and follow Jesus just as long as it doesn't cost us something? Do you follow Christ, claiming him as your Lord, reading your Bible every day, knowing all the right answers, but as you look on your path of discipleship, do you align more with the person that Jesus is saying that we should be? Or do you align more with this uh, rich young ruler, willing to follow as long as it doesn't cost you anything? You can acknowledge Jesus as God's son, but the reality of living out his teaching and dying to self is going to cost you something. And so to say that uh, we're disciples, but yet our life looks no different, that our, our, our way of thinking and our, our goals and our mindset and the things we hold important look no different than the rest of the world, uh, Jesus is saying here, be careful. In verse 28, Peter speaks up and he says, Look, Lord, he said, we left everything that we've had and followed you. And Jesus makes a statement here that I want you to hear. I want you to hear this if you've been in church your entire life and seeking and growing to be a disciple. And I want you to hear this statement if for the first time you are considering what it means to be a follower of Christ and to live this life of repentance. Jesus says that the treasures of this life are temporary. They're fragile, they're finite, and one day they're going to be no more. But here in verse 29, he says these words, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left a house, a wife, brothers, sisters, parents, children, because of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more all of this, and also eternal life in the age to come. The life that Christ invites you and I to, this life of repentance, Jesus says that it is going to cost us everything that the world would consider as treasure, as security, as something that sustains us. But in verse 29 and 30, Jesus assures us that the treasure that is found in God the Father awaiting those who live this life of repentance, who are changed by the way of life that he offers, the treasure that awaits them is exceedingly more abundant and it's of eternal value never goes down and it never becomes less than, but in fact with eternity it becomes even more and more. And this is this eternal life that Jesus said is in the age to come. 
that if you place your trust in Jesus, and if you acknowledge and you believe and understand that he gave his life for you to take the punishment for the things and the transgressions that you had done against a holy God, and that if you place your faith in him, you answer this call to repentance, to turn away from this world that goes against what God says and it looks out only for itself, but you live this life of repentance. You allow these teachings of Jesus to change you and to make you into a new creation. And it leads you to life, a life that doesn't end in death, but lasts for eternity. Are you more like the rich young ruler? Are you truly living this life of discipleship that Jesus has called you to, willing to abandon everything for the sake of the call of Christ? I want to ask you, have you truly put your faith in Jesus Christ to the point that you are willing to follow him and obey him, even if it is going to cost you everything you have? I want to, again, encourage you with the words that Jesus Christ says, that no one who has left their family or given up treasure in this life, that God has so much more waiting for you. And that this life of repentance that Jesus Christ invites you into is one that will change your life forever. And so I want to invite you to that, to place your faith in Jesus Christ, to trust in him, to answer this call to repentance, and to live up to the way that God created you, and to discover the treasure that Jesus makes available to you. Father God, I thank you for your word for the teachings of Jesus, and I thank you for the life of this rich young ruler, this man who is very similar to the condition of, of many of us. And as we know your teachings and as we acknowledge you, we have yet to acknowledge you as the teacher, and we have yet to take the words that you teach and live according to them so that we might find the true treasure and the true wealth that only comes from you. I pray over each person that is listening, read their Bible, that has dug into this passage this morning. Let these words reach down into our soul. God, that we would be able to confront ourselves and to see if whether or not we are just a disciple by rote or if we are a disciple by the way that we live. God, be with us, walk with us. Keep us safe in the days to come. God, we pray for our community, we pray for our state, we pray for our country, and we pray for our world. You are the great healer, you are the master and the creator of all things. We pray all these things in your great and wonderful and holy name. Amen.